Let me invite you now to stand and turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 3, and we'll be in verses 21 through 31, Romans 3, 21 through 31. And you might remember back in 118, I said to buckle up and stick with us, so you can pat yourself on the back if you have done that, pat yourself on the back, because we went through that long exposition on the sinful condition of the human heart. And now we turn the corner and we see God's righteousness. We've seen God's righteousness revealed against sin. Now we're going to turn the corner and see God's righteousness revealed in salvation. So that's where we pick it up. Romans chapter 3, beginning in verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. Since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith, do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means, on the contrary, we uphold the law. Let's pray together. <clears throat> As we come to this, your word, O oh Lord, we pray your spirit to guide us, to lead us, to help us, to encourage us, to strengthen our faith, and to cause us to walk in your truth. All for your glory we ask in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Several weeks ago, there was this video that went viral of a gender reveal party in Australia. Did you see this video? It's big, burly Australian guy standing next to his wife. The wife, I, I presume it's his, his wife. The wife is holding the little girl. And there's this gigantic balloon in front of them, big black balloon with question marks. And he's going to pop the balloon. And then out of the balloon is either going to come pink confetti, pink balloons, or blue balloons, blue confetti, and reveal the gender of uh, the baby that uh, his wife is expecting. So he pops the balloon, pink confetti, pink balloons, and he does not hide his disappointment. <laughs> I'm just going to put it that way. And there, you don't have to be a lip reader. This, this was rated R, what was said. 
And it went viral because this is a time to celebrate. And it shows, it reveals something about his heart. And I'm sure, I'm sure he moved back into the house from the doghouse by now, probably. But this shows you something about the human heart and how we are sinful, how we are fallen. You see, our wanter is broken. This was a time to celebrate. And yet, whatever desire he had wasn't being met. And rather than being invited into a space by God to say that sometimes God will give you exactly that, which you do not want to grow you in your faith, instead of recognizing that, he was disappointed. And he let his expression show. So our wanter is broken. We want what we want. And when we don't get it, we act in sinful ways. Our wanter is broken. But you know what else is broken? Our ability to celebrate. COVID damaged our ability to celebrate. We had celebrations taken away, birthday parties, graduations, things like that. But the daily liturgy that we experience in society, have you noticed this? The daily liturgy, the daily influence is really on what is negative and what is wrong. And we've been trained to notice that which is wrong. I have a little saying I'll pass on to you, a little pastoral saying, if you come to church looking for what is wrong, you'll find it every time. We have been trained and programmed by society to be quick to look at what is wrong rather than be quick to celebrate not only are our wanters broken, but our ability to celebrate. And at that gender reveal gone wrong, you see both of those illustrated. Children are a gift from God, and we should celebrate them. And so here in this passage, we're called to recapture that celebration, to recapture the celebration, and all the reasons why, if you're a Christian, you can celebrate what is right. And what precisely are we celebrating? Three things, three points that we, three things we are celebrating. And the first one here is in verses 21 through 23, and that is we are celebrating that through faith, God saves us. We are celebrating that. Now look in verse 21, we read, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Now you might remember that part of the structure of Romans takes us back to chapter 1, verse 17. Look with me there. Chapter 1, verse 17, we read, for in it the righteousness in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And so part of the structure of Romans is to reveal to us the righteousness of God. Now, the righteousness of God is an attribute of God. It is a way of communicating his perfection, his holiness, his justice, goodness, and truth. That is his righteousness but his righteousness is also on display, not just as an attribute, but through his actions, and in particular, his saving actions, his plan of salvation and how he works out his plan of redemption, that shows he is good, he is righteous, 
He is just. And so what we have here in verse 21 points us back to Romans chapter 1, verse 17. The righteousness of God has been manifested. It has been revealed. It has been shown to us. How? Apart from the law. The law and the prophets point to it. This is a way of referring to how God only has plan A. And plan A has never been to save people by works of the law, but it has always been to save people by faith. And that's what you get in the next verse here. Verse 22, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. And so through faith, God saves us. Now you might ask, uh, well, what exactly is faith? And our confession helps us with this because Westminster Shorter Catechism question 87 answers this, what is faith? And it answers it this way, faith in Jesus Christ is a saving grace whereby we receive and rest upon him alone for salvation as he's offered to us in the gospel. So faith in Jesus Christ is a saving grace. It's a gift from God. You don't earn it. You don't perform well enough. It's not as if there's a celestial clipboard that God has, and if you get enough check pluses, God will let you in. That's not Christianity. That isn't the gospel. No, instead, apart from the law, God has rescued us by faith, so it's a saving grace, whereby we receive and we rest upon Christ alone, the perfect life he lived, the death he died, the power of his resurrection, which overcomes sin and death. We receive and rest upon him alone for salvation as he is offered to us in the gospel and the good news. So faith saves. Belief in what Christ has done saves us, not our performance. When we think to ourselves, oh, if I just perform good enough and God makes the right marks on the celestial clipboard, when we say our performance is what saves us, we have left Christianity. Faith is the operative way that God saves through Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. Don't skip over that. And so one of the things we celebrate as Christians is something we might consider very basic, that we are saved by faith. You know, in this life, you're going to have good days, you're going to perform well, so to speak, and you're going to have bad days. And we can rejoice as Christians, if you believed in Christ, that our salvation doesn't depend on our performance, but instead wholly rests on the belief that we have in what Christ has done for us. We can celebrate that. Now, we live in a growing community, don't we? And I, I, I love it, um, that, that new people are moving here all the time. And you know, when you drive around, you notice new things happening. And you might notice, oh, they, they're redoing that road over there. And oh, a new shopping center is going up over there. And oh, you know, here's this bridge that they will never demolish. It's just going to be here forever. Um, and so when you're driving around, you notice things. But, you know, if you 
are in the passenger seat and you don't have to pay attention to the road, you notice even more, don't you? And you're like, oh, when did that go up? And when that go in? And um, you notice that from the passenger seat. And the thing I want to encourage you to today is to celebrate maybe what we would consider the obvious. And that is that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. That it is faith that saves us. You know, so frequently we get the wrong idea about Christianity. We think maturity in Christianity is moving on from the gospel. It is really reconsidering, remembering, and apprehending better the wonder of this basic truth that God has rescued us, not because of what we do, but because of what he has done by sending Christ for us. And so I want you to celebrate that. Notice that. Pay attention to that. Don't skip over that. Because maturity in the Christian life is not moving on from that. It is celebrating that basic truth that we are saved through faith. Uh, Paul asks in Galatians 4.15, he says, what has happened to your joy? And we can ask that same question today. What has happened to our joy? Has our ability to celebrate been broken? by a global pandemic, by a political unrest, by all the fighting we see in our society. We need to recapture what is good and right in this universe, namely that God saves us by faith. That is astounding. That is enough in our lifetime to celebrate from here to eternity and beyond. That through faith, God saves. It's not up to us. It's not up to our performance. So that's one of the things I want you to celebrate. I want you to recapture this sense of celebration. And another reason, another thing that we celebrate here in this passage is in verses 24 through 26. And that's this fact that through faith, God justifies. Now look with me. We see at the, uh, in verse 23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So all of us are in this together. All of humanity has fallen short of the glory of God, cannot rectify their situation on their own. So if someone is depending upon their own performance for their salvation, if they are, quote, trying to earn their way, I would compare it this way. That's like entering a race expecting to win, only you entered a race in a different state, and you think you're going to win that race. Now, the race of the Christian life is holy by faith. All of sin falling short of the glory of God. We cannot fix the problem on our own, so what do we do? We celebrate the fact that God fixed this problem. How did he do it? Look in verse 24. It's through justification, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Now, there's two important theological words, one in verse 24, one in verse 25. The one in verse 24, justification, justified. 
We'll talk about what that means in a moment. The other one's in verse 25, big word propitiation, and I'll explain that. But verse 24 has this word justification. Why is it important? So often you and I think of Christianity in terms of forgiveness. We are forgiven in Christ, but we leave out the justification part. The truth of Christianity is not only are you forgiven, but you are declared righteous. This is why the gospel is good news. Not only are you forgiven, you're declared righteous. The status that you have and the identity that you have in Christ is brand new. And what Christ has accomplished on the cross and the perfect life he lived by faith becomes yours so that we can make this statement that God is not angry with the Christian. His wrath has been fully poured out on Jesus. This is more than forgiveness. This is a declaration that you are in a right standing with God. And so that's, Christianity is not just forgiveness. It is justification, being declared righteous, which makes a way for us to be adopted into the forever family. So this is one of the reasons we celebrate is that God justifies us. Well, how does he do this? That's the subject of verse 25. Whom God put forward, talking about Christ here, verse 25, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. So propitiation, that's a big theological word. It's preserved for us here in the text of the English Standard Version of the Bible that I'm preaching from. Propitiation is the idea of appeasement to a God. Now, it would have been a term that the Romans would have been familiar with. You remember all the Greek gods and the Roman Parthenon and everything that was going on there. They would have been familiar with this idea that we need to sacrifice in order to appease the gods and and gain their favor. Paul adopts this word here, and he brings it into his theology to show that God is perfectly just, and his wrath, which was due to us for sin, fell on Christ instead of on us. That's another reason to celebrate. Paul has in mind here Isaiah 53. By his wounds we are healed. The punishment due to us for sin, has fallen on Christ. That's one of the reasons we celebrate. We celebrate because the punishment due to us for sin, because we have a holy God, we have a just God, and it was rightly due to us because of Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In the gospel, in short... We don't get what we deserve. And it's a reason to celebrate and to give praise to God. Now, how do we receive this gift? We receive it by faith. That's in verse 25, to be received by faith. This justification that comes through the atonement of Christ, the satisfaction of the wrath of God, which we call propitiation. This was, look at verse 25, to show God's righteousness. Remember, chapter 1, verse 17, in it, 
the righteousness of God is revealed. Then, chapter 3, verse 21, the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Now we see that God's righteousness is shown to us through propitiation because what God has done, he hasn't winked at sin. He hasn't ignored it. He has fully in his economy, or you can kind of think of his plan of redemption, he has fully expressed his wrath. But it hasn't fallen on the Christian. It's fallen on Christ instead. So God is perfectly just, perfectly righteous, perfectly holy, and he has punished sin to make a way for us to have a relationship with him. So all of this reveals his righteousness, which is both an attribute of God, remember, his rightness, and it is an action because in his redemptive plan, he displays his goodness, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. And then we read at the end of verse 25, because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. Well, what does this mean? This means that God has tremendous patience for enduring sinners that they might come to redemption. Uh, God tolerates sinners in order that they might repent and turn to him. If There's another occurrence of this word forbearance in chapter 2, verse 4. Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? This is an expression of his love and his kindness for sinners and for the world that he doesn't destroy those who are displeasing him immediately. God only has plan A. He pursues plan A and plan A. And one of the reasons we celebrate is that the penalty due to us for sin has fallen on Christ. And so as you think about navigating, if I, you know, I'm not sure to call it a post-COVID world, or just the world as we know it now. As you and I uh, go around and you're shopping and running errands, you know, I've, I've picked up that I have this new habit, and you probably have it too. You're always checking out the door for what the rules are before you walk into the place, right? What, what are the rules here? Uh, you know, do, and um, the beautiful thing about Christianity that we celebrate, there's no rules on the door. Anyone can come in. How do we come in? We come in by faith. And there is no distinction. We read that at the end of verse 22, because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But the other goal that the Apostle Paul has here is to bring the church together, a Jewish church and a Gentile church, two different ethnicities, two different religions. And he is bringing them together because in Christ, all of us have this commonality. We are sinners saved by him, saved by faith. And so we celebrate access to God. You don't have to look at the door. You don't have to have permission. Christ has given you that by his perfect life, by his work on the cross. He has given you access. So how do we celebrate that access? I can think of two ways in particular. One is we can pray, exercising prayer, that we can go to the Lord in prayer, understanding that we are not going to a God 
who's, you know, especially if you have kind of grew up with busy parents, you know, it's like, um, come on, you know, tell me what's up. Get to the point that we can go to God and we can go to him in prayer and enjoy access and sit at his feet and he delights to hear from us. And he delights to give us what we desire. He delights to give us what we desire when what we desire is in line with his will, which is the best for us. So we can exercise the, and celebrate the wonder of justification, that everything is okay between God and sinners through the work of Jesus Christ because the wrath of God has been fully satisfied in Christ. And the punishment due to us for sin has fallen on him. We celebrate that when we go to the Lord in prayer. And we ask for things. And we go knowing he delights to hear from his people. And you know, the other way we can celebrate this access that we have. So we can celebrate the access in prayer. Also, how we read the Bible. How we read the Bible. And have you ever heard this expression? Um... The Bible is God's love letter uh, to you. Have you ever heard that? Raise your hand if you've heard that. Many, many of you have heard, you know, and I've always been like, hmm, that's kind of mushy. I mean, this is the word of God. And you're calling it a love letter. It's kind of mushy and not very theological. And last week, I was reading Thomas Watson, famous 17th century Puritan, Puritan of Puritans, truly. And I'm reading his book, uh, The Bible in the Closet, subtitled, How We May Read the Scriptures with the Most Spiritual Prophet. And I come across this idea, uh, this quotation, quoting, the word is his love letter. And how one rejoices to read over his friend's letter. So I had to repent. <laughs> it's not mushy if it's coming from a Puritan like Thomas Watson. Celebrating justification is about this access that we enjoy with God that allows us to pray and allows us to come to the scripture saying every time, saying, what does the God of the universe who loves me and in Christ delights in me, what does he have to tell me? And coming with an eagerness to hear from him and to see what he has to say. So that's how we celebrate. It is God's love letter to you. That's not mushy. That is theological. And it is one of the reasons we celebrate that we are more than forgiven. We are justified in Christ. So I've given you so far two ways to celebrate, and I'll add one more to, the, to that. We celebrate because through faith God saves. We celebrate through faith God justifies us. And then last point here, we celebrate through faith that God empowers us. Now I mentioned all that about justification, all that about being saved by faith. And you might in the back of your mind say, 
Well, what's the role of the law then? Do I really need to live a certain way if I'm saved by faith? If it's not up to my performance, let's go have a party because I don't need to obey God to be saved. And so the Apostle Paul sets us straight here. He says in verse 27, what becomes of our boasting? In other words, none of us have a reason to boast. If we are all sinners, and we all are, and we are only saved by grace, it's not our doing, it's God's doing. There's nothing for us to boast in. It is excluded, reading from verse 27. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. Faith is the great equalizer. None of us earn our way in Christianity Look at verse 28. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. That's a rehearsal of a point we've already made. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, God of Gentiles also. So verse 29, we're establishing there's only one way to be saved through faith in Christ. And then we go on to read verse 30, 31. Since God is one, who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised by faith, do we then overthrow the law by this faith? In other words, verse 31, are we just allowed now, since we're saved by faith, to go crazy? And God will save us anyway. And what is, how does Paul answer? In the strongest terms, look at the end of verse 31, by no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. And what he is saying is he is saying that the magnificence of what it is to be saved by faith, to belong to Christ, to have him and him having you, that this is so amazing that it empowers you to live for him. That how could you not live for him with this blessed assurance and security that we enjoy, not based on our performance, how are we doing the celestial clipboard, but based on what God has already done for us in Christ. So our relationship with Christ by faith fully meets the demands of the law, satisfies God's wrath so that we, not so that we can do whatever we want, but so that we can do whatever he wants. That's the upholding of the law that the Apostle Paul writes about there at the end of verse 31. We uphold the law not as a means of salvation, but because of our salvation. How can we not have a life that reflects all the joy and the goodness of what it is to be saved? Because we have this awesome salvation and the punishment due to us for sin has fallen on him. We are justified, adopted, and belong to Christ. In Christ, we are so secure because it doesn't rest on our performance, but it rests on faith. You know, have you ever gone to one of these uh, climbing walls? You know, the Bernie, the old location of the YMCA in Bernie had an indoor climbing wall. And yeah, years ago I got on it. I like to keep my feet on the ground, by the way. But I know some of you, you know, you like rock climbing. And this indoor climbing wall is great because you can totally take risks. You know, you can uh, 
pretend you're a good climber because you have this harness on and you have this rope that's attached to the top. And so every step you take, every handhold you grab, slack the belayer takes up the slack in the rope. So if you let go, you just sort of stay there. Or maybe you fall about six inches. And that is a picture really of how the gospel supports and secures believers. That by faith, we are harnessed in. That the rope of the gospel and what Christ has done for us holds us safe and secure. So if you slip, no problem. The power of grace at work in us holds us fast. That's the opposite of free climbing. What happens in free climbing? I watched that movie where the guy climbed El Capitan. I mean, I had weak knees the entire time because one wrong move and you're going down. That isn't the gospel. The good news of the gospel is Christ holds us safe and secure through his cross work, through defeating sin and death. We are tied in. And what does that do? It empowers us to live the way God has called us to. It empowers us to fight our temptation. It empowers us to seek his glory in everything. We can take the risk because we are safe and secure. That's a lot to celebrate, isn't it? If you have forgotten how to celebrate, if you go into every situation looking at what is wrong rather than celebrating what is right, this is your invitation to celebrate what is right, to celebrate that through faith God saves that through faith God justifies us, that through faith he empowers us to live for him. This is what it means as a Christian to celebrate everything that is right. Let's pray together. Lord, how we ask that you would indeed help us to be a people who are full of love for you and joy as we celebrate all that is good and right in this world, looking forward to how you will work and how you keep us safe and secure through the blood of the one who died for us. We are so thankful for that. We pray that you would strengthen our joy, restore our joy, and help us once again to be a people who celebrate and to experience the joy of what it is to be safe and secure by faith through the gospel. And we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.